Remember, history lives on through the stories we tell. I'm Peter, and this is Who Died Today, the podcast that explores the lives of famous individuals on the day they passed away. Today, we're delving into the extraordinary life of Kofi Annan, the seventh general secretary of the United Nations. Today marks the fifth anniversary of his death. So without any further ado, let's dive in to the early life of Kofi Annan. Part 1, Early Life and Education, 1938-1962 Kofi Atta Annan's roots trace back to the city of Kumasi in Ghana at the epicenter of a rich Ashanti tradition and culture. Born into the Fante and Ashanti ethnics groups, he belonged to a partition family deeply enmeshed in the affairs of the region. His twin sister, Epua Ada, shared the middle name Ada, which in Akan means twin. Growing up in such a family provided young Kofi with an early understanding of leadership, responsibility, and societal roles. Kumasi in the 1930s and 1940s was experiencing the aftermath of colonial rule, with Ghana and then the Gold Coast being under British control. This backdrop, coupled with his family's status, provided Kofi with a multicultural education from a young age. He learned to navigate both his indigenous traditions and the influences of Western colonial culture. Completing his basic schooling in Ghana, including attending the prestigious Infansipum School from 1954 to 1957, Kofi was instilled with a motto that would guide his life, service to humanity. Infansipim was known for its emphasis on character development and pan-Africanism, which undoubtedly influenced the way that Kofi's worldview ended up shaping out. In pursuit of higher education, he journeyed to the United States in the late 1950s. At McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota, he delved into economics, a field that would later serve him well in understanding the global financial systems and their intersections with diplomacy. During his time at McAllister, he not only emerged himself in academic rigor, but also the understandings of the vast cultural landscape of America and the West, forging connections that would benefit his future roles. Graduating in 1961, Kofi Annan's thirst for knowledge was unquenched. He crossed the Atlantic to Switzerland, enrolling at the Gratitude Institute of International Studies in Geneva. It was here, amidst the neutral politics of Switzerland and the international flair of Geneva, that Annan began to mold his vision for global diplomacy. His studies focused on international relations, a field that would form the cornerstone of his career. By the end of 1962, with an enriched academic background and a growing network of international connections, Kofi Annan was poised to step into the realm of global diplomacy and peacekeeping. These formative years blending the traditions of Ghana with the educational powerhouses of the West crafted a young diplomat ready to leave his mark on the world. Part 2. Entering the World of Diplomacy 1962 to 1987. From the halls of academia to the corridors of global diplomacy, Kofi Annan transitioned seamlessly into his role at the United Nations. His induction into the World Health Organization, or WHO, in 1962, based in Geneva, allowed him to get first-hand experiences of the operational aspects of a major UN agency. At the WHO, Annan would have been part of the efforts to address global health challenges, which range from endemic diseases in developing countries to issues of global health policy and coordination. 
The 1960s were a transformative period for Africa as nations across the continent achieved independence from colonial rule. Annan's shift to the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa in Addis Ababa was significant. The United Nations Economic Commission for Africa was pivotal in supporting these newly independent African states, providing them with economic advice and policy recommendations. Within this capacity, Annan would have engaged with matters of regional economic development, integration, and cooperation, working closely with African leaders and global stakeholders. However, the diplomatic landscape wasn't just about economic development. The geopolitics of the Cold War era was manifesting in various global crises, and the UN was frequently on the front lines of mediating and peacekeeping. In the early 1970s, Annan's career took him to the Sinai Peninsula, where he served with the UN Emergency Force in Egypt. Established after the Suez Crisis of 1956 and reactivated during the latter stages of the Yom Kippur War in 1973, the UNEF was instrumental in observing and maintaining ceasefires between conflicting nations. Working in such a charged environment, Annan gained vital experience in peacekeeping operations, a domain that the UN was increasingly becoming involved in. Throughout the 1970s and the 1980s, Annan's roles within the UN further diversified. He took on positions that placed him in charge of administrative and budgetary issues, allowing him a deep dive into the operational challenges and intricate running of such a vast organization. This period saw him as the director of the UN budget, during which he had a bird's eye view of the financial dynamics and the resource allocations of the UN's myriad of initiatives. As the years rolled on, Kofi Annan's reputation grew. He was not just a bureaucrat, but a diplomat with a vision, a mediator with a keen sense of balance, and an administrator with an understanding of the grand tapestry of the UN's operations. By 1987, having served in various capacities and having navigated numerous global challenges, Annan was ready to ascend to even higher roles within the institution. He had devoted a quarter century of his life to this, and his dedication, coupled with his unique blend of skills and experiences, positioned him perfectly for the leadership roles that awaited him in the closing years of the 20th century. Part 3. Rising Through the Ranks, 1987-1996 to The late 1980s and early 1990s were defining moments in global politics and diplomacy, and for Kofi Annan. These years significantly signified his ascendancy into the United Nations. His experience, integrity, and the ability to handle intricate bureaucratic and diplomatic challenges catapulted him to pivotal positions. As director of the budget in the Office of Financial Services from 1987, Annan oversaw the financial mechanisms that powered the UN. His responsibilities encompassed the financial orchestration of a plethora of programs, initiatives, and peacekeeping missions. His ability to navigate the budgetary complexities, balance member state contributions, and ensure financial solvency was a testament to his administrative acumen. However, Annan's trajectory was not just limited to the realms of finance. In 1990, he became the deputy to the Undersecretary General for Special Political Affairs a role that had him overseeing UN peacekeeping missions around the world. But it was in 1993 when he was elevated to the position of Undersecretary General for Peacekeeping Operations that he found himself at the forefront of some of the most tumultuous global crises of the decade. 
The Rwandan genocide in 1994 was a stark testament to the challenges that the UN and the global community faced. As the head of peacekeeping operations, Annan was central to the UN's efforts in the region. The crisis saw the international community grappling with rapid pace, and later with introspection and criticism over its response. The UN's inability to prevent the mass slaughter was a significant point of contention, and Annan, given his position, found himself amidst these whirlwinds of blame and regret. Another significant challenge was the Yugoslav Wars, especially the Bosnian War. The 1995 Srebrenica massacre, where Bosnian Serb forces killed thousands of Bosniak men and boys, was a dark chapter in the annals of peacekeeping. The UN's role in the protection of so-called safe areas, including Srebrenica and the subsequent failure to prevent the massacre, led to intense scrutiny and criticism. Annan was deeply involved in these operations, and while he defended the actions of the individual peacekeepers on the ground, he also acknowledged the UN's overall failures. Despite the severe challenges and critiques, Kofi Annan's tenure in the peacekeeping solidified his reputation as a dedicated diplomat and administrator. His ability to grapple with complexities, communicate with a diverse range of stakeholders, and lead during times of crisis caught the attention of the international community. By the end of 1996, Annan was poised for the most significant role of his career, a role that would allow him to shape the trajectory of the United Nations in the new millennium. Part 4. Leadership at the Helm, 1997-2006 to Kofi Annan's appointment as the Secretary General of the United Nations in January of 1997 was a monumental shift for the organization. For the first time, the UN was being led by one of its own, a career diplomat who had climbed the bureaucratic ladder and understood the institution's inner workings. From the outset, Annan was committed to reforming the UN, making it more responsive, efficient, and transparent. He introduced a comprehensive reform agenda aimed at revitalizing the organization to meet the challenges of the 21st century. One of his standout initiatives was the Millennium Development Goals, or MDGs, set out in the year 2000, which provided a globally recognized framework to address pressing issues like poverty, hunger, health, and education. Annan's experience in peacekeeping was invaluable. Under his leadership, the UN launched some of its most significant peacekeeping missions in countries like Sierra Leone, East Timor, and the De Democratic Republic of the Congo. However, he also emphasized the concept of humanitarian intervention, arguing that the international community had a responsibility to protect civilians when their governments failed to do so. Kofi Annan was also instrumental in placing health issues and development, especially in Africa, at the top of the global agenda. One of his significant achievements was the establishment of the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria in 2002. He also championed the rights of children, stressing the importance of education, healthcare, and protection from exploitation. Despite the numerous successes, Annan's tenure was not devoid of criticisms. The Iraq War in 2003 was a significant flashpoint. The U.S.-led invasion without a clear U.N. Security Council mandate caused deep divisions within the international community. Annan did not shy away from voicing his concerns, famously calling the invasion illegal in the context of the UN Charter. 
His stance underscored the importance of multilateralism and the rule of law in global affairs. Beyond Iraq, the UN faced other challenges, including allegations of corruption in the Oil for Food program and criticisms over the handling of sexual misconduct by UN peacekeepers. Annan took these issues seriously, working on international reforms to address inefficiencies and improprieties. As his second term neared its end in 2006, it was evident that Annan had left a lasting mark on the UN. He had steered the organization through a turbulent decade marked by global shifts and numerous crises. His tenure was characterized by his deep commitment to peace, development, and human rights. While he faced challenges and criticism, Kofi Annan's principled leadership and unwavering dedication to the ideals of the UN cemented his legacy as one of the most influential secretary generals ever. Part 5 Reforms and Nobel Peace Prize, 2001. Kofi Annan's commitment to change within the United Nations was evident from the beginning of his tenure as Secretary General. In 2001, this dedication bore significant fruit both in terms of institutional reforms and the prestigious Nobel Peace Prize. Recognizing the evolving global challenges and the need for a nimble, responsive UN, Annan proposed a series of reforms that sought to modernize and streamline the organization. His focus was on three key areas. First was management reforms. Annan worked towards restructuring the UN Secretariat, emphasizing transparency, accountability, and efficiency. He sought to decentralize decision-making, delegate authority, and introduce results-based budgeting, allowing the organization to be more adaptable and responsive to evolving global needs. Secondly, he focused on peacekeeping reforms. Drawing from the lessons of past peacekeeping missions, Annan sought to bolster the capacity and capabilities of UN peacekeeping forces. This involved better training, clearer mandates, and ensuring member state commitment to providing necessary troops and resources. Thirdly, and lastly, he focused on human rights and development. Annan believed in the holistic development of societies, emphasizing not just economic growth, but also social justice and human rights. To this end, he advocated for the mainstreaming of human rights across all UN activities and highlighted the importance of the responsibility to protect doctrine, arguing that sovereignty could not be an excuse for inaction in the face of mass atrocities. In recognition of his efforts to reform the United Nations and his commitment to peace, development, and human rights, Kofi Annan and the, the UN were jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2001. The Norwegian Nobel Committee lauded their work for their efforts to have worked for a better organized and more peaceful world. In his acceptance speech, Annan emphasized the collective responsibility of the international community. He noted, this award belongs not just to me. I do not stand alone here. On behalf of all my colleagues in every part of the United Nations, in every corner of the globe, who have devoted their lives and in many instances risked or given their lives in the cause of peace, I thank the members of the Nobel Peace Prize Committee for this high honor. The Nobel Peace Prize underscored the importance of multilateralism in addressing global challenges. It was a testament to Annan's belief in the power of dialogue, diplomacy, and cooperation. The award also provided a boost to Annan's ongoing reform agenda granting him added leverage to push forward the changes he believed were essential for the UN to remain relevant in the 21st century. Music
Part 6, Post-UN Activities and Legacy, 2007-2018 After concluding his term as the 7th Secretary General of the United Nations, Kofi Annan embarked on a series of new ventures that would further define his post-UN legacy, demonstrating his continued commitment to peace, diplomacy, and leadership. Kofi Annan's role as a meteor following Kenya's disputed 2007 election was one of his most high-profile post-UN assignments. The violent aftermath of the election saw ethnic clashes and political violence, which resulted in over 1,000 deaths and the displacement of hundreds of thousands. Under the banner of the African Union, Annan led the panel of eminent African personalities, successfully brokering a power-sharing agreement in February 2008 between President Mwai Kabaki and opposition leader Ralia Odinga. This agreement was pivotal in curbing the violence and paving the way for a more stable political environment in Kenya. In addition to his work in Kenya, he established the Kofi Annan Foundation in 2007. This was another significant chapter in Annan's post-UN life. With its headquarters in Geneva, the foundation's aim is to promote better global governance and strengthen the capabilities of people and countries to achieve a fairer, more peaceful world. Through the foundation, Annan continued his advocacy on issues such as peacekeeping, human rights, sustainable development, and youth leadership. Also in 2007, Nelson Mandela announced the formation of the Elders, an independent group of global leaders who would work together for peace and human rights. Kofi Annan joined them and became its chair in 2013. This role further enhanced his positions as a global statesman, working alongside other distinguished leaders to address global challenges. In 2012, Annan took on the daunting role of the UN Arab League envoy to Syria, tasked with finding a peaceful revolution to the Syrian civil war. Though he worked diligently to broker a ceasefire and initiated a six-point peace plan, the persistent divisions among the international community and the insurgency of the warring parties led to limited success. Frustrated with the lack of international progress, he resigned from the position later that year. Hannon remained active in his later years, speaking on global platforms about peace, development, and global governance. He also penned several pieces, including his memoir, Interventions, A Life in War and Peace, which shed light on his experiences in the world of diplomacy and his vision for a better world. On August 18th of 2018, Kofi Annan passed away after a brief illness. His death was met with an outpouring of grief and respect from leaders and individuals worldwide. Tributes poured in, highlighting his enduring legacy as a diplomat, peacemaker, and reformer. As the UN flag flew at half-mast around the world, it became evident that the global community had lost one of its most steadfast advocates for peace, justice, and equality. And that brings us to the end of today's episode on Kofi Annan. The former Secretary General of the United Nations, one of the world's most important international bodies, and someone who was able to reform and change the organization from the inside. He's also who died today, August 18th. Additionally, if you enjoyed today's episode and want a visual of what Kofi Annan looked like, please follow our Instagram, who period died period today. Lastly, make sure to rate us wherever you are listening and share with friends and family. Join us next time on Who Died Today as we explore the life of another remarkable individual 
who made a lasting and indelible mark on history. I'm your host, Peter, and thank you for listening.